Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello and welcome to episode 812 with Bill George. Bill shares some really inspiring perspective and wisdom on foundational principles for excelling as a leader and really just frankly being inspired and inspiring and living a life and career that you love and are proud of. So great stuff from Bill. You'll learn one, what is a true north and why it's so critical. Two, the top three distractions leaders must overcome, and three, powerful questions to clarify your purpose. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've mentioned, please drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP812 as in episode 812. Get it? And you'll access those resources there as well as full text transcripts. Every episode tagged by the topic and competency covered, the gold nugget, email summaries of the actionable wisdom, a lot of good stuff at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now, here's Bill's story. Bill George is the former chairman and CEO of Medtronic. He joined Medtronic in 1989 as president and chief operating officer and was chief executive officer from 1991 to 2001 and board chair from 1996 to 2002. He's currently a senior fellow at Harvard Business School, where he has taught leadership since 2004. Bill's the author of Discover Your True North and... The Discover Your True North Field Book, Authentic Leadership, Seven Lessons for Leading in Crisis, True North, Finding Your True North, and True North Groups. He has served on the boards of Goldman Sachs, ExxonMobil, Novartis, Target, and Mayo Clinic. He received his BSIE with high honors from Georgia Tech, his MBA with high distinction from Harvard University, where he was a Baker Scholar, and honorary PhDs from Georgia Tech, Mayo Medical School, University of St. Thomas, Augsburg College, and Bryant University. Big thanks to Bill for sharing his wisdom with us, and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here is Bill. Bill, welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Thank you, Pete. Glad to be here. Well, I'm so excited to be chatting with you, and I'm fascinated. You're a bit of an interviewer yourself. You've chatted with uh, 220 of some of the finest leaders of, of organizations. I'm curious, what's been the most surprising and impactful theme that's emerged for you from those interviews? Well, first of all, let me say I did the interviews, Pete, for uh, my book, True North, and I've got the Emerging Leader Edition out now that's really aimed at your generation of leaders from Gen Xers and millennials to Gen Z, because I think it's a different time to lead today. I, I think the good news is that people believe that being authentic is the way to lead. That's a huge change from when I was CEO of Medtronic, when it was all about 
charisma and style, leadership style, and all those things is now much more real. And so I'm really excited to hear that. And that's what all the leaders interviewed, 50 leaders from my new book, and that's what they're all saying. So I'm thrilled to hear that. Okay. Authentic. That sounds like a good thing. (laughs) Tell us, what precisely do we mean by authentic, authenticity, authentically, if we use this word a lot? Sure. It means being genuine, being real, being who you are. And I think for a long time, when I was growing up, you had to be something different. You were expected to emulate Jack Welch or be a different person than you are. And I think that's a big change. And I think we realize part of it comes with being willingness to be vulnerable, to admit your mistakes, being human. We all are. And we all face similar challenges of trying to lead an integrated life and have a good career and a good family life like you have. This is very critical. And so uh, I think people today don't want to work for a phony. They don't want to work for a jerk. And they want to work for somebody who's authentic and is real. And that's what they're saying. And I think one of the reasons a lot of people are quitting their jobs is because they're working for the wrong boss or somebody they can't, uh, they don't admire or don't respect. Okay. Well, then can you tell us then what's the big idea or main thesis behind True North? True North is before you can lead other people, you have to learn to lead yourself. And I think today the new book is really saying we have a different challenge to have today than we did 30 years ago. And we need new generation leaders to step up. We need to open the door and let younger leaders take charge because we're leading through a series of intersecting crises. And uh, today you have to be an inclusive leader. You have to have a clear set of values. You have to have a purpose for your leadership. That wasn't true in the past. And so I think a lot of the baby boomers don't get that and they don't really know how to lead people. And so that's why I wrote the book to encourage uh, younger leaders like yourself to take charge. And I think it is about time and the talent is there. I have no question about that. People are ready. But this leading in crisis is a tough thing because you look, we have multiple intersecting crises right now. And your generation, frankly, has been through one crisis after another and you know how to cope with that. So. And (laughs) I have a feeling we could spend the whole interview talking about these intersecting crises, but I can't just let that lie. What are these multiple intersecting crises that provide the the backdrop context for us? Well, I think COVID's the first crisis we've had that affected everybody. Maybe World War II, but that's before our time. But it affected everyone. And I think it's had, there's a huge post-COVID psychological effect. People don't want to go into the office. They want to work from home. They want to work for a sense of purpose. They want to work for an organization that's inclusive, there is a, a big change taking place. But in addition to that, we've got uh, the fallout from Russia's attack on Ukraine. We haven't, you know, we haven't seen a war in 77 years like this, and uh, where an aggressive attack like that took place. And there's, of course, that's driving inflation rates up to record high, 9%. We haven't seen that in 40 years. And we've had uh, the so-called great resignation, but we've got 11 million jobs open right now and only 5 million unemployed. So uh, this is a a huge change. And so leaders are having to to cope with these changes and figure out how do we get people to to come together? And the, the new attitudes, today employees have agency. That's what I write about in my book that they uh, were going through an employee revolution. I mean, Starbucks is an example. Here's the quintessential employee-focused company. Now they've got 160 or 200 stores that are applying for unionization. Why? I think they've lost touch with their own employees. And so I Mm -hmm. think we're seeing enormous changes, and we need people that understand these changes and know how to lead through them. 
Okay. And so when we say true north, what precisely do you mean by that? True north is who you are. It's your most deeply held beliefs, the values you live by, the principles you lead by. And I think most people understand what that is. They get pulled off course of their true north. It's also where you find satisfaction, joy in your life. And don't we all want that? Uh, don't we all want to say we work for a, a clarity of purpose and I can be who I am, live my values. And at the same time, I can find real joy and satisfaction in my work. I mean, we spend a lot of time at work. We should find it. And I think a lot of organizations just see work as drudgery, just drive people harder. It's not going to work. And so that's uh, your true north. And then once you, you know your true north, then the key is, can you find an organization where you feel aligned, that their mission and values aligns with your own? Mm-hmm. And could you give us some sample articulations of uh, True North? Does this, in some ways, it, it sounds like it's, it's felt and known and experienced. Yeah. And I imagine it also can be articulated and communicated. And yet there is a distinction, it feels like, between like, oh, this is our, our mission statement. It's a bit different. Could you unpack that for us? Yeah, I think your True North uh, it's basically a moral compass. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, and we see somebody like Mark Zuckerberg, who founded Facebook, brilliant guy, but he has no moral compass. So he can't decide who to let on his side and who not to have on, or what damage they're doing to offset the good. So I think True North is your moral compass. Now, I think when you understand, why are we leading? Why are you spending all this time being a leader? It's you really need to have a clarity of purpose. And that's what we call your North Star. That's that kind of constant point in the sky. My North Star is to help people reach their full potential. And that's uh, what I've been trying to do since I was in college across every organization I've worked for and and teaching now at Harvard Business School. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, if you have that sense of your true North, now here's the problem with it, Pete, is that people get pulled off course. They get seduced by money, fame, and power. And uh, that these are the three great seducers. And so I think it's important to stay grounded in who you are and not let you uh, get entrapped by that. And we've seen a lot of people that happens to, and it's it's a real tragedy. So, and but I think again, why would you go through your life without a sense of purpose? And so that's your north star, and having that understanding what it's all about. Oh, now, Bill, I'm just curious: Have you chatted with Mark Zuckerberg and discussed his lack of moral compass, and how did that conversation go? No, I have not chatted with him. I've read tons of things about him. Everything he said. And I don't think he'd want to chat with me. Oh, okay. He's only interested in driving more people to Facebook. And frankly, what's happening, they're being driven away right now. The young people are not are all moving away. Some people, older people that are still on Facebook, they don't use it anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so just because, <laughs> I want to stick with this for a second, because, well, one, that's a bold statement. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg has no moral compass. And, and two, it's something I think we can relate to. It's like, oh, people know what Facebook is and, and who Mark Zuckerberg is. So uh, what would be some examples of if Mark Zuckerberg did have a moral compass, what might that potential articulation of a North Star look, sound, feel like? And then what might be some decisions that would naturally follow from that? Well, he wouldn't found a site that sells your private information. Okay. That's where it starts. Say you're consulting a therapist. You may not want that sold, or you may not want to get uh, requests from a lot of therapists. I mean, that's, you know, there are certain elements of privacy. And I think a lot of people, when they sign up, don't realize that that information is going to be sold and you're going to be profiled down to NAS eyebrow. And so that's that's one thing to be different. And you wouldn't let a lot of people on the site to 
I know people are committing, know of people that have committed suicide because of they're so abused on the site. Mm. And so you would keep those people off. You would say, no, you can't come on here. We're not going to have hate speech. We're not going to do all those things. We want to have a friend site. And so I think he's kind of lost sight of all that. Now he's going to go to more of like a TikTok uh, short video, celebrity video, stuff like that. But I don't want to just pick on him. There are a lot of other people that have tried to lead without a clear sense of true north and some of them like Elizabeth Holmes going to jail. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is not doing anything illegal. I just think that uh, uh, he's going to lose it, and he's got a long way to go, and I think he's just a young guy. He could do a lot of good for the world, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so you mentioned your true north is to help others realize their full potential. Right. Could we hear some other examples of, of people's true norths that really do inspire, they, they guide their decisions, they provide a sense of satisfaction and joy in life when they're in alignment? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, and of course, Medtronic would have a lot of people in healthcare, and uh, a lot of doctors devote their whole life to trying to heal people. Nurses, too. Anyone involved in healthcare is committed to that. I know people in our community, like Tim Welch, I'm meeting with later today, who is uh, vice chairman of the largest bank in this area, U.S. Bank, and he's got 26,000 employees. He's totally committed to help you have a more secure financial future if you need a mortgage going to help you find a way to do that responsibly, not like we did 10, 12 years ago when everything collapsed. And uh, he really wants to help people. He's been calling them up during COVID, scheduling, saying, how can we help? Because a lot of people are hurting. You know, they get payday loans and things like Mm -hmm. that. A lot of the poor people being taken advantage of. So he's totally committed to that. I just mentioned payday loans. friend of mine, John Hope Bryant, that's in the book, is a former homeless man. His whole commitment is to financial literacy for the poor so they won't be taken advantage of in their own communities. Those are a few examples. But uh, Mary Barra is really committed to uh, changing General Motors from uh, fossil-fueled cars to electric cars. And she shut down all development of anything that's not an electric car. And by 2035, they'll be out of fossil-fueled cars altogether. So she's a woman who's been there 41 years, one of my former students, and just uh, very passionately committed to and her role is to try to help contribute to climate change by converting the automobile industry into electric cars. Now, it's interesting, as, as I reflect upon the, the North Star, the examples that you share, some of them feel, feel very broad and applicable in, in all spheres or domains of your life, like helping others realize their full potential. You can do that with a spouse, with children, uh, etc., as opposed to financial literacy for the poor or no fossil fuel cars in this organization. It seems like sometimes they can have a, a a more broad or narrow flavor. Is that accurate and fine? Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think just saying, hey, I want to change the world is really... Okay. Too broad. Clarity by North Star. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's too broad for me. But I think you want to understand, like, what do I do? I mentor people as students at Harvard Business School, all the way from MBAs up to CEOs. And uh, I've been doing this since I was in college, not CEOs, but, you know, that's uh, what I, I do. I've been doing it. I'm not, a, I wasn't a, some kind of genius in medicine and Medtronic. We had a lot of the people invented things. And my whole idea was to build an organization where people were performing their, at their peak. That's good. Well, so I'm, I'm going to try one on uh, with you and see, since I got the, the almighty master <laughs> of True North here, Bill no, George. not almighty. Nothing <laughs> almighty just a, another guy trying to stumble through the world. Well, so well, uh, we'll say a leading expert in this concept then. So I think that's something that's really resonated for me. It started my career, but I really am seeing it with my children as well. 
And it really does provide me with uh, joy and satisfaction, even a rush, a thrill. And my articulation goes to discover, develop, and disseminate knowledge that transforms the experience of being alive. And that's a little bit wordier than help others realize their full potential. Uh, but that's that's really what I mean pretty specifically. Like, I get fired up when I hear about a thing. It's like, whoa, I never knew that. And that's awesome. <laughs> that, that gets me going. And I'm excited to share that with other people. And sometimes I'm discovering it and curating it from others. And sometimes I'm figuring it out, cracking the code and developing it myself. But that gets me going. Would that count as a true north or would that be an adjacent or subsidiary concept? No, absolutely it is. And it sounds like you've made what I call in the book, uh, the I to we journey. So it's not just about Pete being the biggest man around, most important person. It's about you really are trying to share this with other people and get them fired up and excited. Absolutely. Well, thank you. If you don't have any passion <laughs> for your work, hey, go quit and sit out on the beach. Now you're yep. about quiet <laughs> quitting. What is quiet quitting? I mean, Look, if I hate my job, quit. You know, yeah. go do something you love. How would you like to spend your 40 years or 30 years of your life doing something you hated? I mean, why? You only live once. But no, I love your passion for it. And yeah, you're helping other people. Hopefully with this podcast, you're helping them realize what they want to do in life and uh, what kind of roles they want to have. Look, the reality is, Pete, we spend more time at work than anything else. And shouldn't you be able to claim some joy and satisfaction with it? At the same time, shouldn't you be able to have a complete, wonderful family life. You said you had three kids. Should I spent a lot of time with my kids. I don't want to work for a job. I don't have time to see my own kids. That's really important. And, you know, have a good marriage and a good life. Okay. Well, so this this True North business sounds awesome. Can you tell us if folks are, are struggling with that a bit? Like, oh, that sounds really nice for Pete and, <laughs> Pete and Bill. They've, they've got a handle on that. I, I have no idea what mine might be or how I'd articulate it. Any strategies or approaches for zeroing in on it? Yeah, I, when I say you got to be who you are, go back to your life story and think about who are the people in your life that uh, your parents, school teachers, coaches, scout masters, whatever, who had the greatest influence on you and what, how did they influence it? Who did you look to them? What did you learn from them? And then think about something you don't want to think about. What I call the greatest crucible of your life, the greatest challenge you ever faced where you felt like everything was stripped away all the pretense and everything else. And you really had to figure out who you were and what you wanted out of life. That happened to me. I lost seven elections in a row in high school and college because I was too eager to be a leader. I was a kid that was trying so hard to get ahead, but I didn't realize leadership's all about relationships. And I, as funny, some seniors at Georgia Tech told me, said, Bill, uh, you're moving so fast to get ahead. No one will ever want to work with you, much less be led by you. And they were right. It was all about me. That's why I said you made that I to we journey, but I hadn't made that yet. It was all about, have you seen my resume, man? Look at this. Here's my GPA and here's all the organizations I'm a part of. I didn't get it. So I had to make that transition back then. Mm-hmm. Well, so we talk about crucible, the hardest times. Well, well, you mentioned the the pandemic mental health yeah. situation and, and, and that I think many people might point to that and say, well, yeah, that's probably the, the toughest, the toughest thing I've been through in terms of, of a crucible. And so how do we interrogate, investigate, explore that life experience? Like, yep, I lived through the pandemic. I was sad, lonely, deeply depressed, and it sucked. How do we turn that into some insight? Well, you have to reframe it. You start with that. Yeah, it sucked. Yep. <laughs> Who wants to be sad, lonely, and depressed? Come on. Yeah. So now what my life gives me, Joy, where do I want to spend my time? 
and how do I want to do that? And who are the people around me that care about me and I care about them? Call it your support team. Who are the people around you I want to be with? Why would you spend your life not just be alone, lonely and depressed or with toxic leaders? I worked for organizations with toxic leaders that wanted to manipulate me and I felt like I had to put on the armor to go to work every day. That's, that sucks, as you say. That's not how I want to lead my life. So I had to make a change. That's why I went to Medtronic. But I would say to people, figure it out what it is and then go do it. And it's your life. You only got one life to lead. And that's what I'm talking about in the book is trying to say, how do you do that? We talk about having an integrated life. I remember there was a time in my life, Pete, when I was traveling 70% of the time and I was under stress all the time. And I wasn't myself and I was under a lot of pressure. And I finally I looked myself in the mirror and say, hey, it's not worth it. It's not what I want to do. And I'm not working for the man to make money. There's got to be more to life than this. And it was hurting my family, my marriage, my kids. When I made the change in Medtronic, it all turned around. Because I felt like I was working for a purpose to restore people to full life and health and could motivate an organization, help develop leaders in the organization. So everything turned around then. And so I I encourage people listening to this is figure out what do you want out of life? And uh, you don't have to follow what somebody else wants for you. You got to be your own person. And I believe that you had a practice at Medtronic that we had a, a, a guest speak about, and it and it's amazing associated with that. I believe. It, tell me about this. Is it true that at, you had an annual company event where, for an hour, you took to stage multiple families that were people staying alive because of a Medtronic device? Is this the thing that you did? Absolutely. It's more like two hours. There you go. And it's always held in December. It used to be called the Christmas party. I changed it to the holiday party. Wasn't really a party, but that was the most meaningful day of the year. Everyone said, this is kind of, I figure out why I'm doing what I'm doing. Even if I'm in the accounting department or I'm in the IT department, now I understand why I'm here. This woman gets up and says, see my little girl. She wouldn't be here if it weren't for Medtronic. Or a guy gets up and said, I got your product and I've got a new life. Or there was a young man that really influenced me, a young man named T.J. Flack from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He had had cerebral palsy from birth, and it's not curable, but he got a Medtronic drug pump and it changed his life. And he patted his stomach and he said, this is my friendly alley. It saved my life. Totally. And I remember calling him back when I was retiring 12 years later. And he came in and he said, yeah, he had a good job now. And okay, he's not going to be superstar, but he has a family, marriage, kids. He's got a life. And before he had no life. And so that makes you feel really, it takes one person. You know, if you feel like you help one person's life. So yeah, there are a lot of tears when people talk about these things, but pretty, pretty exciting. Well, Bill, yeah, absolutely. I'm tearing up a little bit right now. And it's, I wasn't even at these meetings, but a podcast guest, Don Yeager, episode 371, four years ago, told me about this. And I was like, wow. So just hearing the story about it happening is is something that is enough to stick with me. And here you are, Bill George, the leader behind it. And Don, by the way, Don Yeager is an awesome guy. Yeah. He is an incredible motivator and he he inspires me. Fantastic guy. One of my students came to my class, came to my courses, and uh, he's gone out and carrying it out and he's doing it now. But yeah, he's fantastic. Well, and I think another thing I love about that is you realize you had to make some changes and that didn't mean, oh, I got to quit my job, got to leave Medtronic, but rather it was an internal shift, which then flowed into practices that reshaped your context to be more awesome for everybody. 
You're a very smart guy. That's exactly what you do, Dan, to reshape the context. If I went to production work at Medtronic, I said, uh, Pete, how are we going to make three ninety one a share? This can you help me? I'm inspired. <laughs> they don't know how to do that. They know how to make a quality product. I remember a woman told me, said, Mr. George, I make a thousand heart valves a year. And I can tell you that if uh, for you, 99.9% quality is fantastic. If I have one defective valve, someone's going to die. And I could never live with the fact that I caused someone's death. So I am. And she, this woman, didn't have any direct report. She, she went in training classes on quality of how to make a heart valve. So inspiring. She said, but you know, I go home at night, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about those 7,000 people who are alive in the world today because of the heart valves I made. That's what gives me pride. Now, this woman's never going to be rich, but she's rich in her heart. Mm-hmm. And she got paid well, but she's not going to be rich. Yeah. Well, so Bill, there's a lot of inspiring stuff. If listeners are saying, yes, I want to be that kind of person who makes positive impact in these ways, what's the day-to-day, step-by-step practices, processes, conversations, stuff we do to get there? It's hard work. I mentioned processing your life story, processing your crucible. A lot of people don't want to do that. Studying, we talk about Mark Zuckerberg. How do people go off course getting seduced by money, fame, and power? I've seen very, very successful people do that, and they kind of lost it. They didn't live in Hendersonville. They went to New York, okay, and they wanted to be a billionaire. I've seen people literally do that and lose their way and wind up in jail. And uh, so, but I think then you have to think about how do I become self-aware? Self-awareness is the key to anyone who wants to lead. You have to be self-aware about yourself because the hardest person you'll ever have to lead is yourself. So then I think you need a practice. I have to be a meditator, but you need some form of introspective practice where you put all the electronics away, take 20 minutes and really reflect. How did I show up today as a leader? What kind of person was I? And did I find fulfillment? Did I find joy in what I was doing? What kind of day was it? And do that every day. And the next thing I would recommend is surround yourself with some truth tellers that'll tell you what you don't want to hear that'll hold a mirror up to you saying, Bill, look how you showed up today. You were too aggressive and pressing people. Relax a little. And you need those truth tellers in your life. So I believe in 360 feedback. I believe in having people around me that will tell me when I'm uh, getting off track and they help pull you back. You get off track, you're true north, help pull you back. Why am I worried about becoming CEO of Honeywell? Man, I don't even love the, the mission or the purpose. I've got to leave. And okay, does it matter if it's a much smaller company? No. I want a life. And so think about that. Or I used to have students tell me, Pete, these are 26-year-old, 27-year-olds. You know, I work 100 hours a day when I was trying to get into business school. 100 hours a week, I mean. And man, that's great. I said, really? How do you have a life? You can't have a life working 100 hours a week. And by the way, what are you doing? Why are you over? If you're going to be a leader, you got to learn how to delegate. Let other people do it and stop trying to take over everything. Absolutely. Well, so I also want to get you some of the don'ts. There you go. Like, don't try to take over everything. Any things that you recommend that we stop doing if we want to make progress on this journey? Well, I think stop trying to look for fame, recognition, power over other people. Your job as a leader is to empower people and to stop trying to be like a command and control. And I want a title. I want to be manager, supervisor, director, vice president, senior vice president, CEO. That's where I was got caught up in that trap. And that's not a good trap to be in. 
I just want to do what I really find joy. And by the way, then you will get the promotions because the people around you would say, this is a person I really want to work with. I want to be led by. So you build those relationships. And so you want to stop chasing the brass ring, so to speak. There's nothing wrong with being well-paid, making money. But how much do you need? I mean, Elon Musk is worth $250 billion, which I can't even conceive of. I can't conceive what it would be like to be worth a billion. But does he give any money away to help other people? No. Why not? What's he going to do with it all? You can't take it with you. So I said, uh, you know, if you're blessed enough to make money, I did well, very well at Medtronic. So we've given away about half our net worth into the grants from our foundation. But I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying, share it. Share it around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Well, Bill, now I want to zoom into the particular specific interactions you have with people that you're, you're leading, you're influencing, you're interacting with. Are there specific words or phrases that you've really found magically helpful along this journey or pretty toxic and have chosen to abandon? Yeah. If you want to lead, create an inclusive environment with a sense of belonging. And I think that's really, really important. Don't be exclusionary of other people just because they're different than you are. Accept people for who they are. And then reach out and help other people. Let me give you an example of somebody interviewed. Alan Page, who used to play for the Minnesota Vikings, Hall of Fame football player, National Medal of Honor. He said, I'm not about football. I'm about helping everyone get an education. So he took the money he got from the Hall of Fame, created a foundation. Others have given to it. And to help uh, kids that wouldn't otherwise go to college, not the A-plus student, but the kids that wouldn't otherwise go to college to go. And he's done amazing. He sent 7,700 kids to school that otherwise wouldn't have gone to college, whether it was four-year or two-year Votech. They got through. And because, and that's what he takes pride in. And so somebody like that is, I really admire. You could say, oh, he's a big man. He's a big football player. No, he doesn't look at himself as a celebrity. He just said, I'm a guy that's just trying to help other people. So that's the, that's why I complimented you on taking that. When you talked about your own purpose, you'd make that eye to we journey. And But if it's all about me, that's not going to end well. Okay. Well, Bill, tell me, anything else you really want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Yeah, I want to mention the fact that today, everyone's talking about diversity, Pete. I think it's not just about diversity. It's about creating an organization that's inclusive. So I feel fully included. I don't feel different like I'm out of step here because I'm a man or a woman or my religion or my my race or my sexual identity or national origin. Accept me for who I am. Just let me be real. And I think that's really important. And I think that's what good leaders today do. You can't help people reach their full potential if you're judging them by their gender or color of their skin or, you know, religion. So I think training environment where everyone feels a sense of belonging is really, we have a new idea in the book, which is, I'm very excited about. Instead of being a command and control leader and telling you what to do, the leader is coach. And think about coaches you've had. A coach isn't going to be six unless, unless you feel your coach cares about you. I think of the coaches I had when I played high school and college sports and my coach really care about me. And can that coach really challenge me to be my best? And so it's, it's an acronym we use in the book. And that's, uh, but I think that leadership is changing. So we'll be more coaches to help people come in and be challenging. Say, hey, you didn't give us your best game today. You could do a lot better than that. Here's a way you can get better. You can get out there and help people. So that's, I think, a big idea. And finally, I think leading with a clear sense of, be a moral leader with a moral compass. That's not a religious term. That's a sense of, we know where this person stands. We know what 
his or her values are, and uh, they aren't going to be moved off of it. Even if you disagree with them, we don't have to be the same, but they have clarity about who they are and what they stand for. Okay. Well, you said there's an acronym. What is it? C is stands for caring about people because people won't be in, won't follow you unless they know you care about them. O is organize people in their sweet spots. Think of a sports team. Not everyone can be the quarterback or, you know, the point guard. You got to get people where they're using their greatest abilities. And then you got them up the third. The A is align people around, like we were talking about the Medtronic, a clear sense of mission and purpose or purpose and values. And then the second C is challenge people. Challenge people to be their best. I had a, a student who played for Mike, Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. And he would say, he seemed like a great value. So they won a day when he went in my face yelling at me about why I could be better. <laughs> and then finally, the H is get out and help people. I think business executives spend too much time in their offices, sitting in meetings, going to PowerPoint charts, looking at numbers. They ought to get out there with the people. And that's where, that's where the action is. So that's, uh, that's the idea of what it means to be a coach. All right. Thanks, Bill. Now, let's hear your favorite quote, something you find inspiring. There was a Buddhist monk who just died recently, Thich Nhat Hanh. He said, the longest journey you'll ever take is the 18 inches from your head to your heart. And by that he meant is to be a leader today, you can't just leave with your head. You got to leave with your heart, with passion, compassion, empathy, and courage. All right. And a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Well, I can tell you the most important breakthrough, Pete, is the work that's being done, taking ideas of meditation and how it neuroplasticity changes people's lives and now you can mold your brain as a result of it and you can overcome the kind of the anger parts and move into a, a kindness uh, more compassionate kind of person through these practices and this has been studied with fmri by richard davidson and madison brilliant work neuro you ought to get a nobel medical prize for this all right and a favorite book i'm reading a book called Younger Next Year, and it's How You Stay Young by Staying Healthy and Taking Care of Yourself by Exercise Every Day, Eat Healthy, Get Some Sleep, and Relieve Your Stress. And I think if you can do those four things, you're going to live a lot longer. Okay. And a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job? I hate to confess it, but I use social media and I use the computer a lot because now an awful lot of work is done remotely and I can, but you know, for whatever bad things you see, I can reach a lot of people. They've got a quarter of a million followers on LinkedIn and I can have dialogues with people. And I try to respond to every comment that people make. I can't get them all, but I sure try. And I think it's, it's a great tool to reach people. So the negative things I said about Facebook, something on LinkedIn just gives me a great source of networking with people that I maybe never met in person. All right. And a favorite habit? For me, it's, I think I mentioned to you, it's meditating every day. I just got back from India where I'm meeting with His Holiness the Dalai Lama last week. I got back on Sunday and man, I was exhausted after a 35 hour trip and I had to meditate to kind of regain, overcome jet lag and get my health back. Is there a key nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with people and they quote it back to you often? <laughs> I didn't make this up, but be who you are because everyone else is taken. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, be authentic. And yeah, that's what I try to do is share with people. Follow your true north. Okay. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Yeah, you should read uh, the Emerging Leader Edition of True North. It's my best book, I believe. And uh, I'm very excited about it because it takes all these ideas that we've been talking about 
And it's it, you'll find it a great guide to leading a more fulfilling life. Okay. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs. Yeah, you're only going to live once. Make a difference in the world. Whatever money you make, you can't take it with you. Make enough money to have a good life and take care of your families. But do something where you're really having an impact on the world, a positive impact. You can leave a mark so that when you when you go to your grave, people will look at it and say, here's a person that really had a positive impact on my life. All right, Bill, thank you. This has been a treat. I wish you much luck in following your true north. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for having me in. It sounds like you're already following yours, so thank you. I love so much of Bill's wisdom, and what I found really inspiring was that he was able to change his environment, his circumstances, right where he was at Medtronic, as opposed to having to exit. Like, this isn't working. I got to get out of here. No. How can I reshape things to make it work? And then so many people were enriched from that transformation. Really cool stuff from Bill. Again, the show notes, the transcript, and the links to items that we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP812. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.